You are listening to audio sermons from Winchester Family Church. For more information, go to www.winfam.org. says in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 17. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled round your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Martin Lloyd-Jones in his series on Ephesians says this, many people seem to be disappointed when they find out that the Christian life is a fight. They seem to have got the idea that from the moment you become a Christian, you will never encounter any problems or difficulties. There will be no fight, there will be no struggle, effort will not be required. So when they find that, on the contrary, they have grave difficulties and a mighty battle, they are utterly discouraged. And that's what we're going to be picking up this morning, this whole sense that we're in a battle and that we need to stand our ground. Standing your ground as a Christian is essential. In just six verses, the Apostle Paul urges the Ephesians to stand four times. It was particularly relevant to first century Christians who experienced savage persecution for their faith. And a number of the books in the Bible and the New Testament and the letters were written specifically to churches who were undergoing savage persecution. You may think it has no relevance to you. But Paul's warning to each one of us is that each one of us at some point will face a day of evil. And if you haven't experienced it, you will at some point. This morning, we're going to focus on how we stand our ground in the face of such opposition, in face of the devil's schemes. You see, the big story of the Bible is that there is an enemy to God and to God's people. But The enemy has been defeated by Jesus on the cross, which is what we were celebrating in the worship this morning. And that the enemy has been defeated, the devil has been defeated, and there will come a day when Jesus' ultimate victory will be revealed when Jesus comes again. Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead. People hate the thought, you see, that they're being controlled. And we live in a world that's being controlled, the Bible says, by the evil one. And this will hates the thought that actually behind the scenes there, there's a puppet master pulling their strings. But the Bible says that that is the case. The world is under the influence of the evil one. This world is a war zone. 
And Paul is preparing us for active service so that we can stand our ground when we face the enemy. You see, you can only stand your ground if you are, the ground you are standing on is solid. We've been away for a couple of weeks and we uh, came back and our hedge has gone absolutely mad. It's, it's absolutely, it was huge. And I'm looking at it thinking, oh, I need to cut, and I put it off for a week, and last night I decided I was going to cut the hedge. And so I get the ladder, and the ladder is a, it's a step ladder, but it's about, five, it's about five foot high. So it's a big step ladder. And I put the ladder up, but unfortunately the path is really broken and wobbly. And so i am uh, got the hedge trimmer out, and I'm putting the step ladder on uh, the path, and I'm sort of, how wobbly is this stepladder? And uh, it gets to the point where, actually, this is the best I can do. So I'm up the ladder, standing on the top of this five-foot ladder with a hedge trimmer, and um, the ladder is doing this. And I, all I can think is, I just hope Annette isn't watching through the window because she is going to get so, so cross with me. Because the last two times, well, the last couple of times I've used the hedge trimmer, I've cut through the wire. <laughs> so our hedge trimmer now has a, a wire, that, a lead to a socket that's about that long. And uh, I'm thinking, she is going to go, because the ground is just not solid. And, uh, and I'm standing there, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing like this, I'm like this, and everybody else around the, uh, the estate must have been thinking, gosh, it's, it's a bit breezy out there today. Gosh, she's been blown around a bit. Nothing to do with that. I am not on solid ground. We need to be on solid ground. And in this battle of life, the only reliable foundation, the only solid ground, the Bible says, is Jesus Christ himself. And we stand on Christ by believing on him and what he did for us on the cross. By believing that God punished Jesus in our place and that Jesus died on our behalf. And when Jesus rose from the dead, we can have a relationship with God because all our wrongdoings, what the Bible calls sin, is dealt with. Solid ground. The psalmist puts it like this. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Jesus Christ is a firm place to stand in this life. In fact, he is the only firm place on which to stand. The Apostle Paul says this in 2 Corinthians Chapter 1, verse 21. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. And right at the outset of what I want to say this morning, I want to challenge you. Are you standing firm in Christ? Is he your firm foundation in this life? Because if he isn't, you are not on solid ground and you will wobble around like I did on the top of that five-foot ladder yesterday. And there's going to come a moment when you are going to fall off and do yourself harm. There is only one foundation. Put your trust in Jesus Christ. If we're going to stand in the heat of battle... There are things that we need to avoid doing, and there are some things that we need to keep going to keep on doing. And Paul, in trying to help us, he uses the analogy of a Roman centurion, a Roman soldier. 
and uh, talks about the pieces of armor that a Roman soldier would have worn. And he's using this analogy to help us see the devil's strategies against us and how we can stand firm against him and how we can overcome. And so the first thing we need to do is that we need to avoid pride and instead continually depend on God. Paul says this, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Pride. It's such a dangerous thing. There's a story in the U.S. Civil War of a a, a Union general, John Sedgwick, and uh, the Confederate Army are, are out there. He's on the battlements, and he's walking along, talking to his troops along the battlements, and his troops are saying, uh, Major, don't, don't stand out there. And his, his last words were this. They couldn't hit an elephant from this distance. His last words. Pride. How foolish. Walking along the battlement saying, ha, they couldn't hit an elephant from that distance. Bang. And he's gone. Pride deceives us. Pride causes us to look to ourselves and think that we have the answers, that we can make it, that we don't really need God. We can do things in our own strength. All too easily, we forget God. And so this is why Paul starts off by saying, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You see, we need to be aware of our weaknesses and our frailties so that we can truly rely on his strength. How do we do that? We need to every day be reminding ourselves that we only stand because of Jesus' wonderful victory on the cross for us. We need to remind ourselves daily of what he did. We need to remind ourselves daily that he has risen from the dead. And because he's risen from the dead, we have a hope that goes beyond the grave. We need to daily be relying on God's power, God's spirit to come and equip us and strengthen us for the day. If we're relying on our own abilities and our own strength, we are in trouble. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Are you drifting along in life at the moment? Are you careless about the things of God? Are you careless about spending time with God? Is your heart full of, well, I'll be okay? God's for Sunday. Be careful you don't fall. Trust in him with all your heart, the Proverbs encourage us. Be diligent and depending on on God. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Abraham Lincoln said this in talking to the nation of America in 1863. I want you to listen to this. This sums up the root of our problem. This is what he said. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power but we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. 
We have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. Let's not be a proud people. Let's avoid pride and continually seek to depend on God. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Secondly, we need to avoid passivity and obey God. This is what Paul says. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. You see, the danger is thinking that God has done everything, so I don't need to do anything at all. That phrase, let go and let God, it's a load of rubbish. That isn't what Paul is saying at all. He's saying, be strong in the Lord and his, and his mighty power, but he says, put on the full armor of God. There is something that you need to do. You need to look to God and put your trust in him, but there are things that you need to put into practice as well, and we must avoid passivity, and we must obey God. Put on the armor of God. You see, the analogy he uses, a Roman soldier's armor was made up of many things. It was made up of a belt, which held uh, the cloak together, helped the breastplate in place, uh, in, in the correct place. A breastplate was something that protected the chest uh, area, protected the heart. There was a shield which they had to hold which protected them from the flaming arrows, the enemy's arrows. There, was a, there were shoes that they needed to wear which helped them stand in the heat of battle. There was a helmet that protected their heads. There was a sword that they had to wield. There was armor that they needed to wear, but Paul says, put on the full armor of God. This is not a fashion parade. Well, I, I, do you know, I just don't think this breastplate suits this outfit. I don't think I'm going to wear that today. The helmet, oh no, it's going to ruin my hair. It doesn't work like that. Paul says, put on the full armor of God. We can't pick and choose. Some of this armor, though, has to be worn all the time, and some of it is used just in offensive moments, offensive where the enemy is attacking us and we pick up certain bits of armor. Now, this week, I was out on Friday morning with uh, Barry Smith, and Barry's a colonel in the army, and he turned up in his fatigues. He has his boots on. He has his pips, he's got his, all his gear on, his boots, I tell you, they are glistening. I tell you, I could see my face in them. He looked the business. We went into Costa, I tell you, it's the quickest I've got served. <laughs> Imagine if he'd had his helmet on and a gun. I probably wouldn't have even needed to pay. The point is this, that when you're on active service, when Barry's part of the army, he has to, there are some things he's got to wear all the time. He wears his fatigues, he wears his boots, but he doesn't carry his gun around with him. It's like he's in, when you're in barracks, you, you're wearing your gear. And then when the call comes, helmet on, pick up your rifle, 
and you're off. Paul is saying there are some bits of this armor you have to wear all the time. You've got to be wearing the breastplate of righteousness. You've got to have the belt of truth around your waist. You have to have on your feet the gospel of peace. But there is a moment, there is a moment in maybe your week or your day where actually you feel the enemy, you know the enemy's coming against you and you pick up the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and you start to wield it. It's not that you have to be wielding it and waving it all day. But there are moments that you need to do that. We need to put on the full armor of God. How do we do that? How do we do that? How do we put on the full armor of God? Well, every day we need to be praying, and John will talk about this next week. We put on the armor of God in prayer. We get up in the morning and we say, God, I remind myself that Jesus died on the cross for me. I remember that it's not about what I've done. It's not about my righteousness, about me somehow earning favor with God. This is about what Jesus did on the cross for me. This is his righteousness. I put on the righteousness of God. I put on the breastplate of righteousness. I put on the belt of truth, the truth of the gospel that God reigns, that there is a God in heaven who is ruling and reigning in the heavens. Whatever's happening in my life, God is on the throne. That is the truth of God. And I'm going to put that belt on this morning and I'm going to believe it, whatever happens today. We need to be people who put on the full armor of God. Thirdly, we need to avoid focusing on circumstances, and instead we need to focus on the truth. This is what Paul says to one, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm, let nothing move you. Let me read that again. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm, let nothing, nothing Nothing move you. Have you been focusing a lot on circumstances? Do you feel like Peter when he got out of the boat and started walking on the water towards Jesus? The wind and the waves suddenly kick off and he's, he's suddenly overwhelmed by the circumstances of what's going on. Do you feel that that's you? Then you need to focus on the truth. There is a God in heaven who is on the throne. You need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. You see, when circumstances are difficult, when things are tough, we can start to question ourselves. Have the following phrases come out of your mouth. I'm useless. I'm no good. I'm a failure. I can't do this. They cross your mind. They come out of your mouth at some point you see if they have you need to know that you're being influenced by the circumstances you need to know who you are in Christ and you need to put on the truth the belt of truth the breastplate of righteousness you need to know that in Christ you are a son of God and God is for you and if God's for you who can stand against you maybe you're in a moment when it seems like all hell has broken loose around you. Your whole world seems to have fallen apart. Is that you this morning? Do you feel like your whole world has fallen apart? 
The enemy seems to be all over the place. You know you're in a battle and you just feel overwhelmed. You need to put the belt of truth buckled firmly around your weight. God is for you. I think there are a number of people who feel like that this morning. feel like all hell has broken out around them. I mean, is that you? If that's you, I just want you... I just want you to stand and I just want to read some scripture over you. I want to read the truth over you. So if that's you, if you know, you just feel in the heat of battle, you feel that everything's kicked off around you, I just want you to stand and I just want to read some scripture over you just as a sign that you know it's got just been a tough time. And I want you to listen. I want you to hear the truth. It's the truth that sets you free. This is what the truth says. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare of the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I am trusting in Him. For He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from the fatal plague. He will shield you with his wings. He will shelter you with his feathers. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor fear the dangers of the day, nor dread the plague that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. But you will see it with your eyes, and you will see how the wicked are punishment, punished. This is what God says of you. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. Do you feel you're in trouble? God says he is with you. I will rescue them and honor them. I will satisfy them with long life and give them my salvation. Father, I pray that the truth would get into each of these people's hearts. Father, in the heat of battle, Help them stand firm in the truth of God, in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, minister this to their hearts, in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your seats, guys. Fourthly, we need to avoid being legalistic, and instead we need to live in God's grace. This is what Paul says to the Galatians. Galatians 5 verse 1. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You see, we all too easily slip into this. We slip out of grace and we slip into legalism. And legalism, if you want a little picture of legalism, it's like there's an old millstone and the way they used to grind flour and corn was that they used to have a big bar and an animal used to pull uh, this... uh, uh, leave around, walk round and round and round. And at the time, what he was doing, he was, he was pulling the top millstone and was grinding the corn between two millstones. 
That's what they used to do. If you read your Bible, you will know that in Judges, Samson had his eyes pulled out and he gets put in a Philistine prison and he spends his days blinded, walking round and round, grinding, grinding corn. That's what he was doing. That is a picture of what happens when we get caught up in legalism. We get blinded to the truth and we get caught up in thinking if we try harder and we do this that somehow God will show us his favor, he will love us more. We go round and round and round, work harder and harder and harder and yet go nowhere. Enslaved to legalism and missing the grace of God. You see, it's so easy for us, for example, to do things for the wrong reasons. It's the right thing, but for the wrong reasons. Let me give you just a a little tester, a little litmus test. When you do something for the wrong reason, and you're doing it maybe to please other people, the test is this, when someone else gets the praise for what you did, and someone goes, oh, thanks uh, so-and-so for doing that. If I, this morning, say, Scott, thank you so much this morning for uh, worship. That was great. Jamie's sitting there thinking, oh. He's not, by the way, but this is just an illustration. He's sitting there thinking, well, I'm the one. I was leading the worship. This morning. I did all the preparation. I was the one. I was the one that told Scott what to do. Why did Steve not recognize me? Why did Steve say, oh, well done, Scott, and he didn't? How easy it is to do things for the wrong motives. We're doing the right thing, but with the wrong motive. How easy it is to get caught up in legalism. Paul calls this slipping from grace. He goes on to say in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, he says that through Jesus... We have peace with God. Listen to this. We have peace with God, and therefore we have access into this grace in which we now stand. Peace with God. To overcome legalism, we need to put on our feet, Paul calls it, the readiness of the gospel of peace. What he's not talking about here, he's not talking about evangelism. Some people over the years, commentators have said, he's talking about evangelism. We've got to be ready to share the gospel. Well, that's just a little thread of it. The preparation of the gospel of peace doesn't mean that. What Paul is getting at is this. A Roman soldier's shoes, they had sandals. And uh, they were to protect the undersoles of their feet because the enemy used to stick spikes in the ground just under the surface. So that when people ran, they put their foot in the spike and they would would wound them and they would incapacitate them. And so a Roman soldier had shoes on and underneath there were little studs. And the studs, the purpose of the studs was in the heat of battle when it's muddy and there's blood everywhere in the heat of battle, they didn't slip because if you slipped you are finished. Paul is saying we need to stand in peace. We need to know that we have peace with God. We stand in the grace of God. It's through our peace with God that we have 
grace. We're able to come into grace. And so we put on, every day we put on this gospel of peace. I have peace with God. I can't earn anything. This is all a free gift of grace. I live in the grace of God. God wants you to live in his grace. He doesn't want you to be trying harder somehow to please him. You will not succeed. You are like Samson going round and round, grinding corn at a millstone, working harder and harder but getting nowhere. God wants you to live in grace. He wants you to know that you, he cannot love you any more than he already does. You have peace with God. Peter says in 1 Peter 5 verse 12, this is the true grace of God. Stand in it. Stand in grace with your head held high. Fifthly, we need to avoid being fearful and instead be courageous. This is what Paul says to the Corinthians. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage. Be strong, do everything in love. Stand firm in the faith, be men of courage. Be men and women of courage. You see, the devil, the, Peter talks about him like a, ri- a lion roaring, seeking whom he can devour. He makes a lot of noise. He throws a lot of accusations. He wants you to feel that he's bigger than he is. He has more power than he does. He wants to feel that you will be overcome by him and he wants you to live in fear. He wants you to be immobilized by fear so that you don't live in the way that God wants you to live. But God wants us to show courage and press on in the face of the devil's intimidation, in in, in the the light of the fiery arrows that he throws at us. And so when Paul talks about taking up the shield of faith, a Roman shield had had a leather covering which they soaked in water so that when the arrows, the enemy used to fire arrows that were lit, they were fiery, and then when they'd come, and if they landed in the middle, if they hit you, they would, obviously, the, the, they would uh, be burning, there would be fire, it was, it was just terrifying, and so you had to take up the shield of faith to extinguish, you had to be prepared to use the shield. When the enemy makes accusations and fires his fiery darts at you, you need to stand with the faith, uh, the, the shield of faith, and say, no, that's not true. What God says about me is that I'm a son of God. I'm not useless. He is for me. He's with me. All of these pieces of armor work together. They overlap. You need to take up the shield of faith. What does God say about me? We need to believe what God says, not the devil's lies. Right from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, the devil's temptation, the devil's accusation is, did God really say that? Did God really say he was going to do that for you? Did God really say he was going to help you when you're in trouble? Yes, God said it. You take up the shield of faith. This is God's battle. You see, the devil isn't primarily our enemy. He is the enemy of God. And God has already defeated him on the cross. And there will come a day when God's final victory will be demonstrated to this whole world and God's patience in holding back from his son returning is that people come to faith in Christ God's patience means salvation Peter tells us God wants us to avoid fear and be courageous 
Sixthly, we need to avoid despair and instead be full of hope. There was a a famous Hollywood actor called George Sanders. He had everything. He was famous, he was sought after, but towards the end of his life, he committed suicide and he left a note and he said this, I committed suicide because I am boring and because I have already have lived long enough. I don't know about you, but there's all this stuff in the press about a sister dying, George Carey making statements in the press yesterday. It's a big issue. I want to say that is a whole complicated issue. I've watched, I've watched my mum die of cancer. I've been there at the last, and I watched the... Uh, didn't, didn't have enough, hadn't have, had enough morphine and died in terrible pain at the end. And I look at it and think, I, I wish I'd been strong enough to stop those around speaking and say, no, she needs, she needs to have some painkillers here. Please give my mum painkillers. This whole question is, I, this whole question of assisted diet, it is a complicated area. But we believe in the sanctity of life. God has given life. And there are many people in this world who are in despair. They have no hope. We believe that God has given his life, and it's only God who can take it away. God gives and God takes away. How many people are living with this overwhelming sense of despair, living hopeless hopeless lives of quiet desperation? The devil would love us to slip into despair. What's the point? There's no hope. You see, that's why Paul encourages us to put on the helmet of salvation. When he's writing to the church in Thessalonica, he urges them to put on the hope of salvation as a helmet. The hope of salvation as a helmet. You see, hope in the Bible has three tenses. It's sometimes used as, uh, I have been saved. The hope of passion. I have been saved. There's a present tense. Salvation is talked about as, I am being saved and I'm going on being saved. But there is also a future hope. And I think this is what Paul is talking about. He's talking about there is a day, one day, when we will finally be saved. And that's the helmet we have to put on. We have to fill our mind with the truth that one day Jesus is coming back. This world, whatever, however tough it is, it is not hopeless. There is a hope that goes beyond the grave. There is one who has risen from the dead. There is one who gives us an ultimate and a future hope that helps us live in the midst of this world. We need to avoid despair and instead be full of hope. And finally, we need to avoid being what I would call a lone ranger and instead function as part of God's army. In Philippians 1, Paul says this, Verse 27, I know that you, and the you he's using there is a plural word. It's you, plural. I know that you, plural, stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. If you take the the Roman soldier analogy, I think it's, it's a beautiful picture of a Roman soldiers when they went into battle they would form a tortoise, the Romus tortoise. And that was what happened was the soldiers at the front held their swords like that. 
The soldiers who were behind them held their swords like that. The ones in the middle held their swords, sorry, not their swords, their shields, held their shields like that, held their shields like that. And the ones in the middle held their shields above their heads. This shield was corporately impenetrable. And so the enemy would fire their arrows and it would just hit the Roman soldiers. And so they could march in formation together, standing as one man, one army, one platoon. That is a picture of how we are to be as the church of God. We are to stand firm together. There is no place in the, in the, in, in the Christian faith for people doing it by themselves. We need each other. We need each other. We are weak when we try to stand by ourselves. Individualism is the curse of the Western church. Paul tells us we need to contend as one man. What he's saying is this. We are, when we do that, we are saying to one another, your battles are my battles. There are all sorts of ways we do that. When there is someone in need, or they need a breakthrough, we get down and we pray for them. Your battles are my battles. We pray for one another. We support one another. When there is someone in need, we support one another. We stand together. We hold each other accountable. We hold each other as accountable. We say, come on, hold up your shield. If you don't hold up your shield, we are all vulnerable. Hold your shield up. We need to be part. If you are not part of a small group and you're part of this, you consider yourself part of this church, you need to be part of a small group. It's about community. We are a community together. We follow one another's good example. We follow one another's good example. When I encourage you to do this, it's not because I'm telling you what to do. This is a good example. This is, this is the way we ought to be. This is why Paul says, Therefore, my brothers, whom you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, this is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Paul was saying, Look, guys, this is how you do it. Follow my example. Follow the example of one another. When you see someone doing something well and you think, wow, that was amazing. They showed great faith. Look to copy their example of faith. When you see someone standing firm, you go and encourage them and say, you have provoked me and stood me. I want to do the same as you. You have so encouraged me in taking that stand. And finally, we stand in unity together. We are the people of God. We stand or fall together. God has called us to be the church in this place. And as we come into this next season, as we move from being Winchester Family Church to Hope Church Winchester, it's because we corporately carry a hope together. It's not just a name. The church, the local church, is the hope of the world. We believe we believe that. We believe that the church is God's answer. The local church is God's answer to the needs of this world. And so we commit ourselves to standing together. We are part of the church here. And if you're not part of the church here, and you're wondering whether I should be, let me encourage you this morning. Get your, put your roots down with us. 
Come and be part of us. Join with us. Be part of the army of God in this place.